Welcome back to the Who's on Worst podcast, your home for scathing movie reviews on the D-Rays Bay Podcast Network. Um, this one will probably be slightly less scathing than some of our other ire-filled debates, but uh, it was still about a movie that was not great. So we're going to talk today uh, about The Rookie, which seems a very fitting choice leading into the Rays home opener, opening of the season, uh, because it is indeed based on a true story. And joining me in discussing this, as always, is my co-host Darby Robinson, our wonderful producer Brett Rutherford, and I, of course, am Ashley McLennan. And yeah, let's throw it over to Darby to talk a little bit about what The Rookie is about. Thank you, Ashley. Uh, and so, yeah, this is The Rookie. This is actually probably our best and probably will be our best reviewed movie on Who's on Worst. Critically uh, at least reviewed. According, critically yeah. reviewed, yeah. Not not from us. I, I'm not going to have a ton of great things to say, but it, it is an 84% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. So, so the critics did enjoy this movie uh let's get into the synopsis according to rotten tomatoes uh, a true story about a coach who discovers that it's never too late for dreams to come true jim morris played by dennis quaid never made it out of the minor leagues before a shoulder injury ended his pitching career 12 years ago now a married with children high school chemistry teacher and baseball coach in texas Jim's team makes a deal with him. If they win the district championship, Jim will try out with a major league organization. Disney's The Rookie. For the first time, that's actually a really accurate uh, summary from Rotten Tomatoes. Congratulations, uh, Rotten Nailed Tomatoes. It. You got one right. Um, yeah, it's... I think from that description, it should be a punchy 90-minute movie with some cutesy comedy with him kind of playing with the team and having some like, you know, barbs thrown back and forth with the teens. Um, and then, you know, him trying out and doing his thing. I think what, ugh, there's so many issues with this movie. First, I'm just gonna like throw out some of the stuff it did right. It's beautifully filmed. Like the cinematography is gorgeous. The acting is very capable and handled by a lot of really good, talented actors. Rachel Griffiths is in it as his wife. Dennis Quaid does a fantastic job. Brian Cox plays his like Navy hardened dad who's had to move him around. Um, the cranky lady from the bus on speed. She, you know, the one, you know, the one I'm talking about. I feel like her name should be Bev, but it's not. Um, you know exactly who I'm talking about, though. I can see it in your face. I, I do. Um, plays his mom. And, you know, it's a, a young Angus T. Jones uh, plays his son, who's entirely there for cute cuts to him, throwing a baseball and giggling like an adorable little sprite. Um, and they do that a lot. They crank the precocious meter to yeah. as high as it can go without without exploding the pipes. Truly charming and adorable um you know it's you know what it's a good decent enough script for what words are used um there's a ton a metric ton of filler in this movie like it's the movie is just over two hours long which i mean by today's standards is very normal i feel like we're getting used to seeing three hour versions of the Batman and you know every Marvel movie is three and a half hours with no intermission um, but this movie 
is from Disney and it's a family movie geared more towards older kids and something to watch with your parents. Uh, very like wonderful world of Disney Sunday night viewing. Like if any of you are old enough to remember when like Disney had like the Sunday night time slot on ABC and you would watch something with your family that night. It's very much that vibe. This movie has no right to be two hours long and I'm deeply frustrated that it is because I off the top of my head could give you five different storylines that could have been cut from this to make it shorter. Well, you, you mentioned this is like kind of that Sunday evening whole family movie and it is you know it's rated g it is as chaste as you could possibly imagine a film could be there's subtle christian overtones sprinkled on top of it It, it's just yeah but the so here's my here's my biggest issue with the film the film is entirely competent you know you have a director in john lee hancock who had done he can do this movie in his sleep i think like just very capable hands the whole whole thing together is just like very capably done. But I think the biggest problem for me is I feel like as a kid and, you know, I did watch this when I was younger, but like, I feel like it was just the devil race thing that kind of drew me in. I feel like I would be bored to tears if I showed this to a kid. And I, and I think a teenager would also be completely checked out. Like, I don't think this movie I think it's a movie that uh, like your, your the middle-aged dad will put on for the family and they all have to watch it. It's their choice in movie night and you're just going to endure it and it'll be fine. But yeah, you have, it's two hours and it's two hours and seven minutes. And I feel every second of that runtime. And I think with that synopsis, you, you mentioned it, you have, you know, high school baseball coach in Texas, plucky team, they make a bet. You're going to try out with a major league team if we win state. Okay. Then they win state. He has to try out and he does. You you have two films. You yeah. have a high school baseball team movie. And then you have the story of this, of Jim Morris, family man, whose who's career... His, his chance at stardom passed him by. He's now getting his second shot. He, he, he's got his one shot twice. And this is now a second shot. And then it's like a whole, that's the second half of the film. So you have like a very lengthy him back in the minors and working his way up through the minors and eventually, you know, debuting uh, in the majors and getting that call to the show. And it's like, you have two very long, sections and both are undercut because they both are not given i don't the 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 high school section let's start there yeah i don't think there's enough characters there like you have a couple of you have four basically like characters four actual high school kids that you're like like using you know kind of and the only one that really has like any lines is jay hernandez yeah and and like you just don't get to know them on a personal level. You don't get to know them enough, like outside of being on yeah, the team. What are like, the compelling forces driving them wanting to play baseball? Who are they outside the team? What complications are there in their life? I think really the way you're saying, like that you're right, it is two very distinct narratives. And I think we talk about this being too long, but I think if they'd wanted to do it better, give me a six-part Netflix show. 
in the vein of Friday Night Lights, the TV show, not the Peter Berg movie, because I think the TV show is infinitely superior. Um, but the same idea, you get coach, you know, like the steadfast guy in town, what ties him there, the, you know, the complicated beginnings with his family, his relationship with his wife, the way that those kids work around town. And then you can slowly build that into like them, you know, achieving their goals, winning the division, um, losing state. I mean, they don't show that it's literally just a newspaper clipping after they've won the division, they lose state. That would have been a crushing blow. And like, you know, the, the emotions and everything of that, I don't, you don't know anything that happens to those kids after the fact, like nothing, nothing of what happens to them once they're done. And that's the high school part is where I think you would have kids have something interesting, Yeah. right? Like it's like you have Dennis Quaid playing a, uh, who at the time, I believe he's like 47. He was 47 at the time of filming. Yeah. Yeah. So he's 47 playing a 36 year old. And that's like the only really character that's getting like, that is obviously he is the central character. I think the high school secretary gets more lines than some of the kids on the baseball team. Yeah. And that's the biggest problem. So like, if I'm a kid watching it, like who is my character? Like I'm, I have to just follow this middle-aged dude around. Like, I don't like though. like if you're a kid or a teenager watching this movie, it's infinitely boring to follow a middle-aged dude and like trying to reclaim his glory days when you have these kids who are like, they're, you know, that's like their futures ahead of them. And it's, I, I think there's an interesting story there with him kind of having that opportunity and like he learn he can learn some lessons, but then he learns lessons from them. Classic, you know, family filmmaking affair, but I, you really need to spend more time or at least invest in those storylines. The, I don't want to say you'd want, I would want to cut anything because there's also an estranged, you know, father son relationship with Brian Cox and Dennis Quaid. And you have, the whole idea of let's let's start with how this movie actually starts though because this mm-hmm. does come in the movie starts with a voiceover and a a, a a image of the desert just desert for as long as the eye can see and then two nuns walking through the desert and I, i'm like what is happening what is this movie where are we going here and it's telling a tale of these two nuns and they're and they like are gonna like form a town. No, they invested in an oil prospector, is what they did. And then they're like, Oh, we sure got duped out of our money. That was bad. And then the priest is like, Well, go pray to Saint Rita. And Saint Rita is the patron saint of what is it? Um oh God, it's really it's quite sweet. The patron saint of impossible dreams. That's what she is. Um, and so, of course, ultimately, they do find oil. The nuns are then, of course, proved right for their investment. And uh, the town of Big Lake is founded in Texas. Um, but, yeah, I think they pre-established at that point, which I think you were getting into, the very beginnings of baseball in that town. Yes. And and the, and the idea is eventually that... Uh, that a young Jim Morris is brought there by his father who is traveling because he's in the military and 
And basically, they eventually end up in Big Lake, which young Jim Morris is not happy about. And then he's there for for the rest of his life, basically. And he almost gets out with baseball, but then he blows out his shoulder. Uh, and he, you know, his baseball dreams are ruined. And he's back there and he's stuck there. And he's somewhat bitter about that and still kind of very bitter uh, towards his father about that. They're still quite embattled. All of that, though, there's this, it's a very long beginning with him as a little kid and the, the nun story and the parable and the, the whole thing. It's, this is not, this is too much. They're doing way too much with this because I get, I love the idea of some supernatural in my baseball. Yeah. Love it. And, and the whole like patron saint of impossible dreams and he's, it's a big lake and then he gets a big lake. It's now that, that spirit of that whole thing. I get it. And it tie and at the end they bring it back and he makes his debut in Texas and it's all like, but it's just it's just it's a waste. It's a it's killing us with time when we could just be getting to the the action, get more time. That all that time could be done, could be better motivated by like learning a little bit more about uh some of these kids, right? Like we could learn a little bit more about um like uh whack. Uh, yeah. one of the, 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 the kids that he's, you know, treating or, or Rudy Bonilla and, you know, like give more time to them. We also, honestly, you can really cut down the, the father son dynamics because like, he's, he's a grown ass man. And I know that you can have tough family issues for forever, but like that doesn't become, that's not a big enough part of this story. Like he moved a lot when he was a kid because his father was in the military. Yeah. Big whoop. I'm sorry. Go cry about it. Like you, a lot of kids, that happens a lot. You're 36 years old. You're and married. He, you have kids. Grow up. He still made it to being drafted. Like, I mean, it didn't really impact his ability to get through high school to go to college to like be proven okay enough to get to the brewer system and then it was his shoulder that did him dirty not his dad like he was still good enough to go through all of that even in big lake where there was no baseball program um and i think the other thing there's one other plot that could have been cut entirely and saved us probably a good 15 minutes of runtime and it was the completely arbitrary getting the grass to grow on the baseball field <laughs> plot, which I think was truly their idea of like a humorous interlude. But really it was like, it was so many scenes of like the kids complaining that there was no grass. And then the, the guy, the janitor from the school going, I know why your grass isn't growing and like showing him sagely that the deer are eating the seeds for five whole minutes and then him going and complaining about it to his barbershop buddies. And then they're like, oh, well, give us three weeks. Don't ask any questions and we'll solve your problem. And then they go and collect the hair and then they take the hair to the field. And then in the middle of the night, they're tossing hair on the ground. And that is it. That's the entire payoff for that. They put grass on the field. The grass grows. Suddenly they have grass on their baseball diamond. You could have skipped 15 minutes of my life. And you could have just had grass on that baseball field. It could have been patchy grass. They could have been like, look how nice the football field grass is. And be like, just lucky we have grass. Done. End of story. Move on. I did not need 15 minutes of old dudes throwing used hair all over a field as like hijinks. 
this is also Texas. They would have just shot those deer. Like, let's be honest. This is all very elaborate, but those deer are bang, 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 done. It's over. And we're hard cut to it, some venison on the grill. And we are playing baseball and eating some venison jerky. And we're, we're good. If we're going to be pedantic, I don't think you're allowed to shoot nursing mothers. And those were two babies and a mom. Um, I don't know. I'm just how... saying, good old boys in Texas. There's like, there's a problem. There's a gun for we're it. We're not going to yeah. ask any questions and we're just going to look the other way. No, I, I agree though. Like that whole thing, the payoff is he's, is it to, to showcase like, you know, now he's building a program. He's, they have grass. Like it's now they're becoming a real team, but now he's having the choice of, do I leave them or not? Yeah, but I think you get that even in watching them improve and him yeah. wrestle with the idea of going to Fort Worth. Like yeah, it just, was just 15 minutes of literally watching grass grow. Like I just, <laughs> I really didn't need that in my life. And I guess that's part of it is too, to show like, you know, how close together the community is and the bonds that he's formed with the guy from the general store who helped him, you know, get his first glove way back in the day when he lost his and, it just one that leads me to one other question that that little group of old men brings up and it's the only one of the only things i made notes on and i want somebody from texas to like message me on twitter or something and tell me if this is an actual thing i'm at 90 feet from home um there's a scene where it's right towards the end where they're all kind of gathering as a town to like go to the big game which we'll talk about later but they're in the like diner, Frank's diner restaurant where the guys openly smoking cigarettes that's not my question i'm sure that's very real um there is a giant jar of pickles sitting on the counter next to the cash register and i desperately need to know if like warm pickles is a thing y'all do in texas i need to know because why i so this i can actually partially answer my wife went to ut austin and one of her favorite things at, at the bars would be do, getting a pickleback, which is a shot of Jack. Yeah. The shot of pickle juice, as well as maybe getting a nice pickle. So the, yeah, I think pickles, barbecue, Texas, that is just a, I think that's just good wholesome fun right there. Warm pickles. <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not pickled eggs at least, which yeah. is also a, it's a bar yeah. classic. Just, I mean, to me, a pickle has to be cold. Like it's gotta be cold because then it's crunchy, <laughs> right? Like, I realize this is a segue into a completely different topic, but like it's better than the grass growing. I would have, la- I would have rather them commit fifteen minutes to exploring that. Yeah, than, than show the me grass. Frank's pickle jar for fifteen minutes. I would have had so a we, lot more to say about that. We the this film also has a, it has a hard time. I know it's G rated, and I know it's just trying to be like yeah. very very wholesome. But this film has a very hard time of giving me like anything. There's a lot of very low stakes to everything so we have this art you know the 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 relationship with him and his father but it's also pretty mild and also it just it's just really hard for me to take again a 47 year old man and dennis quaid seriously like having like pouty issues with brian cox one thing about that and I, i know i told you guys this already but it blew my mind when i looked it up is that dennis quaid was 47 playing a 35 year old and Brian Cox, while filming this movie, was 56. 
So he was <laughs> nine years older than Dennis Quaid during the making of this movie. And so like the biggest suspension of disbelief for this entire film truly is believing that Dennis Quaid is 35 years old. Beth Grant, who plays his mom, is only five years older than, than Dennis Quaid. She was 52. So oh so her name is Beth. So I was so close with Bev. I knew she you were really close. Bev. You were you wow. were getting there. I feel like she must have uh, played a Bev in something. I'm sure she has like 175 credits. Yeah, she's been in everything. So she, uh, and still is great, great working actress. Oh, she's one of those character actresses. That's just so fabulous. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like for me, you have, you have, okay. You have the, he needs to leave this town. So maybe he's going to get a, a, a promotion to a different school and make more money. Yeah. You have dealing with the father. You have then he's going to try out for baseball. So that's, so the, the film has early on, Dennis Quaid decides to, to really throw a bit with one of the catchers. The 42 the year old catcher of his high school baseball team. Yes, yeah. Also the high schoolers are also, for, they were like few years younger than Dennis Quaid. But yeah, so he's throws hard. And then when he comes back, he kind of talks about that with his wife a little bit when they're drinking the reddest wine I've ever seen. It is like Kool-Aid wine. That's a hangover in a bottle right there. That yeah. is some delicious $5. I do think they joke about it being like gas station wine, like the yes. finest wine the gas station has It definitely looks like it comes yeah. from the gas station. Uh, but she's, her reaction to that is also just very strange. It's like he was like slipping, like he was like going to fall off the wagon and the wagon was playing baseball. And there's, there's a section of it that I, I totally get is when he's like trying out for the Devil Rays later on. And it is like a big life changing thing, right? You know, you now have responsibility and we all know that minor leaguers are paid like shit. Yeah. And so you cannot support your family on minor league baseball salary. And she's a high school guidance counselor. So it's not like she's raking in the dough. In the dough. Yeah. yeah. So I, I get the idea of like, how do they keep the lights on? How do they, how do they feed their family on, you know, the, both of their salary? Like, and he's going to be gone, you know, to all these podunk areas traveling, trying to chase this dream. And it's like, is he just too old to be chasing this dream? I get that part. But like him just throwing the baseball hard and like getting that itch to like, I don't know. It just played so strangely like he's about to like slip up and have a drink after being sober for 20 years. I it's... think you're right. There could have been more of a conversation between them where she could have like hinted like, well, don't you remember how hard it was for us when your shoulder blew out and how depressed you were and how long it took us to get through that? And I just don't want to see you go through that again. And, you know, just something to indicate, I think, to the audience why she's so trepidatious about that. Like, I think you're right, because it just kind of looked like she's a bit of a buzzkill, right? Like, oh, he threw to a high school catcher real hard. And is is that also just basically what this film, again, is, I, I feel like this is, my wife had the same point, which is like, this is for the, like, the 45-year-old dude who used to be, who peaked in high school, yeah. who's now like, I I could be something if I didn't, if I didn't have the old ball and chain and these kids, I like, oh man, just give me another chance. And 
does she just become the role of like the nag who's like holding them back where it's like there is a real real reasonable there's an interesting adult discussion there that could be had but then it creates more like that's the better stakes than he's still upset with his dad for moving around like that's like get over that but like yeah you know you and your wife have to talk about like the emotional places maybe the depression that he had yeah. like there's there like we talk about that in sports psychology a lot is just the like severe crippling depression that that sports can can cause when you lose the ability to do this thing that you were once so great at that now that's been taken away from you and what are you as a person anymore yeah. and and how do you recover and so like there's some there's interesting stuff there and you can still that's still i think a really great family movie uh, potential because you can talk about the idea of like, especially if you're a young kid, like you maybe you love sports and you're really good at that. And that's really, you're really passionate about it. But like, you have to be a well-rounded person. There has to be more to life than just that. I don't know, but like, they just completely skip over that. Like they spend, they spend all the time on the grass, uh, no time with the interpersonal relationship. Dynamics. Well, and that's a conversation he even could have brought up with the kids. Like the kids, when they're bugging him, and they're like, what about your dream? What about this? And he's like, well, that's what they don't tell you about getting to your dream. That sometimes, you know, you lose it and this is what happens. And, you know, so I feel like that would have kind of derailed the whole oh, reach for something bigger kind of thing. But, um, you know, it could have been part of a speech to somebody else. He's like, you know, I told them this whole speech about reaching for their dreams, but I'm, you know, was it wrong of me not to tell them what happens when you get there and then it's not everything you hoped it would be um and all of that I don't know because the realistic part of it is that he did get drafted and he was selected for the minors and then it just fell apart for him and so yeah I think it's there's a lot of aspects of the story that were really underdeveloped and for a movie that's basically like the film equivalent of a Sunday afternoon in that like it's just drawn out like butter colored and leaves you <laughs> with absolutely no need to reflect on it further after you're done um it's it really misses the mark in a lot of ways like i get it it's a disney movie they can only dive so deep into like some of the darker aspects of things um but i think if you're going to talk about you know rifted families and divorce and you know the tribulations of not having enough money to pay the bills i think those are serious topics now you can talk a little bit about depression if you can talk about those so well i think i see this as two years earlier so this movie came out in 2002 two years earlier you have another disney movie called remember the titans another sports movie which Same is writer, infinitely too. infinitely better just amazingly better um uh, but I did, is that the same writer? I think it might be a different writer. But it's, you know, obviously a very different. Um, uh, yeah, that was Gregory Allen Howard for okay. Remember the Titans. But like that movie deals with very real emotions and you have very like serious stuff. But it's still a really great, you know, PG, full family film that's with to this day is is phenomenal like one of the best sports movies of all time so i'm like i i do give theirs there i i kind of also want to give like the rookie a lot of like leeway being like yeah it's it's for this but i'm like 
But yeah, you know what? No, you have a, you can do, if you can do Remember the Titans, you can make this movie more meaty. Maybe what the... But maybe maybe you have Jim Morris and he didn't want to dive into that. That's just it. Maybe what the problem is, is that this is a true story. It mm-hmm. is Jim Morris's story. And we don't know how much input Jim Morris had into you know, sharing that or what was what he gave up or what he was willing to have told of his story. Um, maybe, and I hate to say it, maybe he was just a boring dude who grew up in Texas and got hurt and then got older and threw real hard again and played for the Rays for two seasons. And maybe that's all there is to that story. It, it's it's very possible that this was just like, there's not a lot of meat on them bones to to pick through. And so you make it a sort of wishy-washy feel good, you know, uh, uh, you hear some minor dramas that most people would be able to relate to, um, mm-hmm. to beef up that runtime a little bit. And yeah, because he would probably be like, oh, you know, it was hard as a kid because we traveled around a lot because my dad was in the Navy. Uh, and, you know, dad issues. Got hard it. for Move me on. to like <laughs> play on any given team for any length of time and so on. And then that was it. And that was Jimmy's side of the story. And then a screenwriter's like, oh, how did I make that 40 minutes? And, you know, turned it into like the biggest turning point of his entire life was his dad not wanting him to have a baseball glove or like not caring that his got <laughs> lost. And you know, it's, I think that, that that's where the, the real problem with this is, is that it is somebody's real life. And the problem with real life is that it is more often than not monotonous and kind of boring and not filled with big dramatic turns. Um, I mean, remember the Titans is also a true story, isn't it? Yes, but older. So there's more okay. time had passed. So I think that's the big key. I think, I think you might be onto something there with, you know, uh, Jim Morris pitched in the majors with the double rays he broke through in 99 and then he also pitched again in 2000 this movie is shot released written like all within like another year and a half after and then released and two years post his playing career so it's such a short period of time yeah maybe you can't you when you're when you are working with not just people that are still alive because the people i think a lot of the characters in the room of the titans like the their real life counterparts were still alive but like you don't have a like a a fictionalized version of that person it is literally named jim morris it's basically it is him yeah that is quite is playing him and he is still very much like he's the pretty much the same age as dennis quaid actually younger younger than dennis quaid at the time and yeah there you have to be a little bit more sensitive probably you're getting that the rights to his film so you can't be like and then here you and your wife have a really big falling out and it's like well, I don't want to show that because we didn't. Yeah. And this like is... <laughs> your kids are still young enough to go see this movie too, right? Like right, that's right. the other thing. So, well, I mean, Jim Morris and his wife did divorce in two thousand one. Maybe that was a lot should have been in the movie. That would have been a much more interesting conclusion. So oh, maybe sorry, that was Jim a very Morris. sore subject at the time. I don't know if it was like before the release. I mean, mm. so yeah, that's it's probably, it's probably it's before the movie came out in 2002. So it would have been before. Yeah, it would have been just out, his playing career. Yeah. It, so it, maybe that had a factor. Like you never know, but that's a, that sucks. They had four kids um have four kids together but i think that's probably part of it too right like you're looking at it and you're a parent and your kids are going to go see this disney movie about your life and you probably don't want to like manufacture too much drama into it right so i think he was probably a, a big factor in why it's not as you know 
over the top. We don't even want over the top. I think we just wanted some more depth. I think the other big issue that this film can have, and and again, like we say this, it's like it it did really well for Disney. It's it's well regarded. But I think the other problem is though, like who even remembers this movie really? Devil Rays fans that watched it with their parents. Yeah, like this is a big like this is a movie that's certified fresh. It's it did pretty well at the time, uh, but it's completely disappeared from the like social consciousness. Whereas like remember the Titans last. And I think that's the biggest thing, right? Is that it's just, it's, it's just uh, empty calories. It's, it's just, it's there, but it doesn't actually matter. It didn't, it doesn't stick. It doesn't last. And it's just very bland. It has no flavor. It's shredded wheat. Like, let's be real here. Like it's, it's really tough it's it's not that entertaining like what did i say because i feel like it was the most like accurate description of this movie that i could possibly imagine um i think i said that this movie is almost proud of how boring it is (laughs) yes um and that's really the vibe i got from it like it's just it's long and it's pondering like i think of the scene where he's stopped at the radar um traffic light Mm -hmm. that is like telling him how fast he's going on a 35 mile an hour street and he's like oh i wonder if i could throw a ball real fast by this and get my actual you know and how long is that scene of him doing nothing but like gearing up and stretching and pulling the balls out and oh i gotta duck because somebody's driving by and oh i gotta stretch again and oh i gotta mean mug this sign like there's a lot of by the way the dennis quaid brought all of the face acting he can do to this movie there is a ton absolutely. of face acting very <laughs> like muggy. give me real justin verlander vibes like it was legit um but that's just it it's just these drawn out silent sequences that give me nothing in terms of the character like you could have had him throw a couple balls you know oh maybe that one went 70 or maybe that one was like 60 something and then he really tries and it gives it the 76 and he's like oh real bummer walked away and then you see the flickering light that goes oh it's actually 96 har 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 this sign is bad at things um but that's it just it I don't know, man. It's it just goes and plods and ponders along, and like it's so exhausting to a point because it just there's a good thirty or forty extra minutes of this movie that just don't need to be there. the The hardest thing too is that this movie is at the end of the day kind of about a in an interesting anecdote. Yeah, not that interesting a story though like yes it is that's neat he he had given up his baseball dreams and became a teacher and a a baseball you know coach and then he tried out at like you know not like an old for this earth age like mid-30s but old for baseball old for athletics and then he he then makes it he doesn't make it when he's 22 but he makes it when he's 36 neat it is, but yeah, that's the thing, right? Is that the real Jimmy Morris played for 21 games for the Rays. And in his second season, he had like a 1.6 something whip. And like, you know, he appeared in what, 14 total innings? Like, yeah. that's the thing is that, yep, yeah, he made it. Good for him. 
but it's not like he made it and then brought the team to the World Series, which is kind of what's like hinted at throughout the whole movie. It's like, oh, every pitcher dreams of, you know, game seven and pitching. And that would have been the really like big moment, right? Because he's mm-hmm. like, that's what you dream about is being called out in like game seven of the World Series. And like, if this was a fictional character, that's exactly what would happen is that the last scene in the movie would be him called out to pitch in game seven of the World Series. And he wins the game and his whole family's there and they lose their minds. Instead, you have he every pitcher dreams of being a mop-up reliever on a hundred loss team with one of the worst bullpens possible. And you are slightly better, but still pretty mediocre. Yeah. Uh, let's take a quick break. We'll talk a little bit more, I think maybe about some of the characters, some of what did and didn't work. Um, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a plod. So we talked a bit about some of the stuff that really didn't work in terms of the pacing and the character development. And I think some of the, the drama that wasn't really drama, like we're very much finger quoting drama here because it's very low stakes all across the board. Um, but like Darby said at the beginning of this, we do kind of have two different movies here. And the first half is very much the high school aspect and then he, his team to try out. Um, I don't know if anybody notices and I have to go back and watch it, but I won't. Um, but there's the newspaper clipping right before he goes for his tryout. Um, that's like open tryouts for Tampa Bay Devil Rays be held on June 15th. I am 99% certain that there is a paragraph in that article about him trying out for the team. Cause there's a part where it's like a oh, local Lubbock man doing something. And I remember the word Lubbock sticking out to me in that sentence. Um, but then it didn't hold long enough cause it's all written big red, you know, now it's your turn coach. Um, but I'm 99% sure that that fake article uh, spoiled the fact that he was going out for that, that, uh, <laughs> that tryout. That would be a cool meta moment. Like to have that in the film. Like, like it might've, yeah, it might've been cool. an actual clipping from the time who knows but uh yeah that was there so then we see him off to the the tryouts and i think this kind of goes back to some of the the faux drama with his wife in that he still hasn't told her about this he hasn't told her that the tryout is part of his arrangement with the team which seems so low stakes like oh i made a deal with the team that if we win division i'll try out for a major league baseball team isn't that funny ha 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 the things that will motivate teenagers he hides it from her he makes his kid hide it from her he then goes she like goes as far as to be like oh i'm off to work what are you doing today and he's like oh you know nothing much ha 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 and she's like okay well take the kids with you and you go do nothing much and so he has to haul his three children off to go to these tryouts three very small children by the way i think angus t jones is the oldest among them and he looks maybe like six or seven like he's he's young they're all mm. young one's a baby and so one's he's a literal baby <laughs> literal baby and so he's hauling these children off to this baseball tryout and it, it's just like a surreal thing because he rolls up and he's one of his old buddies from when he was originally in the minors it's like, hey, man, are you bringing some of the, you know, kids from your team for the tryout? Like, what are you doing here? And he's like, nope, it's me. And then he, a pretty, like, he's a professional coach in that he coaches a high school baseball team that made it to division, made it to state. He tries out 
for the Tampa Bay Devil Rays wearing jeans. He mm-hmm. tries out for a no warm up pitches either. Baseball club wearing jeans. And he has pants. He wore pants in the movie, baseball pants, bef- like with yeah, the, as a coach. He has them. And in his second, his second tryout, he like where it's pouring rain and he's inexplicably throwing perfectly, even though it's pouring rain. He's wearing sweatpants at least, but like boggled my mind. He's wearing effing jeans, jeans. Yeah, I think that would have showcased alone to his wife that he's not serious about trying to be like actually become a baseball player. Um, yeah, the like tryout scene was also just like I that needed to be more fun. That needed to be yeah. way more fun. Like that's so I also feel like there's an opportunity there where you could bring maybe like one of those high school kids. Like it could have been like you try out and I'll try out. Like yeah, bring whack like, with you or like one of the guys like that's something. actually pretty good show them what it's like to like actually try out for a major league club. I know, I don't think any of them were seniors, which probably would have excluded yeah. them from being able to do a tryout. Um, Cause he said most of them are coming back the next season. Which I guess is the other like low stakes drama. But he could have brought a couple of them like, Hey, whack and Roy, why don't you come with me? You can kind of watch the kids a little, see what an actual tryout looks like so that you know what to expect. Um, so that like motivate yourself for your own dream. Meet, meet some of the scouts to be like, Hey, you know, they're going to be a senior next year. Yeah. Come watch our games. Yeah. We just made it to state and you know, I'm really good. And you, you know, so, but yeah, or have like a shocked react, a what much more like enthused reaction from the scouts, even like shaking the gun or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, is this old man really throwing this hard? But it's just like, oh, oh, quiet contemplation. Oh, do you see this? Oh, eyebrow raises. So they they like mentioned that he throws, you know, 98 miles per hour, 12 straight pitches. And that's what, you know, eventually they're like, hey, that's interesting. And d- just so you know, like, we'll probably give you a call. Not many people can throw that fast. And uh, and so then like he leaves, but then the wife comes home and Rachel Griffiths comes home and there's a message on the phone or they call and it's going to message from the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, basically yeah. like asking for another tryout. Yeah. And so that's when the, you know, the cat's out of the bag and, you know. They... Jig is up. And then they have the most tepid, like not an argument, just sort of like a stern Marge Simpson like groan, mm-hmm. but that's yeah. it. Like that's like, there's nothing there. That's like, even that's the drama has been even sucked out of that. He's mostly mad because before he comes home, he goes and stops at his dad's place. And, or like, I think it's after his other tryout, he goes and stops at his dad's place and he kind of wants the approval, right? He wants his dad to be proud of him. Uh, And his dad's like, no, now is the time for putting away childish things and being a man and stepping up and doing what is important. And he's like, oh, how dare my father say things that are probably right and true. And his (laughs) wife is like, well, maybe those things are right and true. And he's like, nah, you don't support me either. Kick some dirt. Um, And that's the extent of it. That is the entire argument. They get over it in the span of five minutes. The scene with the grass took longer than them resolving their big marital fight in the entire movie. Um, And he very incorrectly says that there is only, you can count the number of people who can throw over 98 on one hand. So sorry, Uh, you're not that special. Like it's not a ton of people, but it's more than five. Especially today. Like now it's like, 
Yeah, better throw 98. There, we've got a whole stable of guys throwing 98 now, my friend. Um, you wouldn't even be special in terms of the Tampa Bay Rays anymore. So, so sorry, Jimmy. Um, I did make a note about that. I was like, no, come on. It's, it's impressive, but like, calm down. With that minor, again, minor blip resolved, he then decides to go to the minor leagues and he's you know we see like the orlando uh um rays like jersey so i I thought all the minor league jerseys and uniforms and stadiums all look pretty cool i wish there was more time with that i wish he had to learn more about like his teammates and like people he's coming up the the ranks with i especially would have liked more of the guy that he does eventually come up with to like know why is that guy so special why is he the most likely to get called up mm-hmm. like why what makes him the wander franco of that team so there was apparently according to imdb a deleted scene so you know when they come in and and um jimmy says to him he says you know what we get to do we get to play baseball apparently there's a deleted scene in which uh, brooks which was the star i guess more star prospects name where brooks would tell jimmy that his dad would say that same exact line to him every day they would go and play and to me that's something like they they kept a lot of filler in this movie that's something that's important because it also gives jimmy who doesn't have that baseball relationship with his father and he's got a young son who he's going to have that relationship with but now he can kind of be that father figure to Brooks, who he's coming up through the minor leagues with, and we like we get that line, but it's not a payoff for uh, something that happened bummer. earlier in the movie. It's just like a nice no. line. I'm really sad they cut that now. That would have had way more gravitas to it if they'd kept the original part of it. It would tie also together like Jim Morris is trying to teach like the high school kids, like he's could still be a teacher at heart, but it I think the biggest issue is that the entire film doesn't give Jim Morris anything else to do besides become a baseball pitcher, like uh, realize his dream. It's not a journey where he is trying to raise, like teach other people a lesson, like get like things along the way. It's literally just, he is trying to get his dream accomplished and it doesn't matter. And, and part of what Jim Morris did in his post playing days was he he wrote the book and the movie was made and he went and did like i think a speaking tour or went out and like went to these events and was like talking about how he achieved his dream and could like how other people Mm -hmm. can achieve theirs and that wasn't like the ending of that movie as much as i you know i like the overall the overall ending that wasn't conveyed where it's like like you said he was achieving his dream he wasn't like leaving anything behind which could, you know, you know, you saw his high school players at the final, at his debut. Um, his son was at his debut. And, you, you know, you imagine that's inspiring to them. And you even saw some of the players on the Devil Rays that were like, oh, this is pretty cool. But it's like, what's next? Mm-hmm. You know, what's going to ha- like allude to something that's going to happen in his post playing days that he's going to leave behind for the people that he's inspired. Oh, it does not do that. It literally, the end is just he played for two seasons and then he lived in Texas. The end. 
Um, that's it. That's I'm. I, I wish I was being over dramatic, but that is the that's end it, cap yeah. screen. Is that he played with the Devil Rays for two seasons and then continues to live in Texas, and you get nothing of you know what went on beyond that. Um, for the bad, obviously he got divorced, but also you know for the good that he did end up going and using that experience for beneficial things. His story is an inspiration, and he has used that to help inspire another generation of people to find your dreams ever countless 40 year old dudes with socks and sandals just love this man. just try to squeeze into their old football pads one last time i this film desperately needs a so what so there the idea of there's emotion there's theme but what's the so what of the story Right, so there's there's a cool there's a it, Jim Morris is older and he gets to the majors, lives a dream. Okay, so what? This film doesn't do that part. It's like yeah. this is a neat story. The end. Instead of this is a neat story, it really is about perseverance and this is kind of inspired. And there was maybe some other characters that also showcased their own journey, but it's really like at the surface level of like, it is about him going to the minor leagues, making its way through the minor leagues, getting the call up and pitching in the majors, the end. And yeah. it's not like, where is where is the like, you know, whack, he's applying to a college or something, or this person, like something, some other like, so what of just not just like, this is the thing and he achieved this dream or finding a dream of your own. You know the disappointment that he gives to others by missing something like does he miss his son's birthday because they highlight his son's birthday at the beginning in an extra long scene where he goes to two different grandparents houses they do the whole nine yards with cake and everything you could have easily been like a year later and like son's kind of sitting on grandpa grandma's porch but dad's not there this time and mm. like emphasize the things that are being like disappointing his family because of that it's really you don't get any of that there's not even that much in the minors section right like there's like a section where he is he's in the minors and it's kind of going quickly and he's like call him old yes and and other people are like you're you're gonna be the uh like you're only here because you're kind of like a sideshow like that's yeah. you know the only reason you're getting promoted which true which i think is a fair sentiment it's a very fair sentiment the Tim Tebow factor. You, you know, even though he had the fastball, like he showed some problems with command. He was getting like we didn't see him like dominate the minors, and I don't know what he really did. I guess we could look, but like it didn't seem like he was like all right. The Rays. Well, first off, it was the 2001 Devil Rays. They they didn't need. It. I mean, they could have used all the help, but at that right. point in the season, it didn't really matter. Um, but it's not like he was like burning up the minors, and they had no choice but to call him up. You know, he was a September call up, and they were gonna throw him a bone. Yeah, it's it just yeah, I desperately needed a so what. So we get I, one of my one of the scenes that I thought was like kind of fun that I thought really worked just because I'm a sucker for anytime there's like a video of like a real life call up from the, their minors like where they show like the the scene where the the coach is you know in the locker room and he's announcing that somebody is getting their call to the show. It's always it literally will never fail to make me like get chills. I love it. So they have that in this movie where you get. The, the head coach of the Durham Bulls calls in Jim Morris and talks about how we're, we're called, you know, that I got, I just got off the phone with the Rays or the Devil Rays. Brooks is getting the call. 
And, you know, like I thought, you know, you'd be, I hope I, you know, I'd like you to be the one to tell him. And, and, you know, Jim Morris is going through like the emotions of like, it all, it, it's only, I don't know why he's so convinced that it's only one person being called up. There's like a point where that's a thing where it's like, it's usually just one, which isn't true, but he's convinced of that. Especially not then when he could expand to four. Yeah. It, uh, I don't, I don't know why that was there, but like, he's still just like a plot, a plot, a plot device, device. but he, you know, he's getting a little emotional. Good. You know, again, Dennis Quaid's a very good actor. So he's, he's, you know, getting a little emotional, but he's holding it in like great, great call. Brooks is super talented. He's young. He's the future. Like, you know, good he's, guy. He's a friend. He, you know, he's like clearly crushed because he's not realizing his dream, but well, good for him. And then the coach is like, you know, I figure you should tell him because you're going with him. And he's so happy and he's going there and then he calls the wife and there's like a great, there's a really fun scene there where he calls the wife and, and, you know, says like, can you bring my suit uh, to Arlington? And then she's like, I don't know why. And he's like, yeah, there's a dress code in the major leagues and, and she's happy. And like that, that's like super great. It's so fast during the minor league section, which the film is paced glacially and I can't believe there's something fast, but like they kind of just like yada, yada, yada over the entire minor league thing, which I feel like that would be the biggest struggle. That would be the most, he's away from his family. He's missing time with his son and his daughter and, and the baby. He's missing They're time struggling with financially. That's where like, again, like the minor league part is, should he chase his dream? Like that's the whole idea, right? Is like, it's great. The idea of like, achieve those reach for those dreams that you you had because you can achieve them but there is the downside of like should you chase that at at to what cost to what end yeah and so like there is a cool there that's an interesting thing there but they just kind of rush through it but i did think they executed that part really well um the call up and 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 the chills of that yeah that was great oh i cried full admission i cried i cried my way through that i cried my way through him being in the bullpen and getting up to like, you know, to warm up for the first time and getting his call to the mound and all of the whole bloody town is there. Like they've all shown up inexplicably all arranging to meet at 2 p.m. in Arlington and still showing up by the bottom of the first because like <laughs> somehow sunset is happening, but it took them four hours to get into the stadium. It's very impressive. So it's a packed house. You know, it was packed. It was july the devil rays are in town yeah you gotta get those tickets they're going like hotcakes and then i romantically reminisced over the fact that the the rangers used to play in a stadium that didn't look like a barbecue warehouse um so i mean that was really nice uh, no i mean it's a very effective ending like i think they play on the emotional beats really well it is you're right darby it's it's always nice to see the call-up moment and it's executed beautifully here. Like it's very emotionally manipulative because you know how it's going to play out. And like, cause he's just basically told the coach that he's going to quit. He's like, you know, he's like, I'm, I'm done. This is it. You know, I'm old. This is going to be it for me. Um, but you know, he sticks around for a little bit because he's got two weeks before he has to show up for his new job. So he might as well play it out. And then all of a sudden, dun, 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 of course, here he goes. And he's, he's got his cup of coffee. So uh yeah it's it's one of the most effective parts of the entire movie um if not the most effective part of the entire movie you you then have afterwards he he pitches he gets uh royce clayton out which 
you know, a lot of people could do that. Um, and he, you know, has a successful, uh, yeah, that's right. Royce Clayton, you know, no, nowhere is safe. You're just getting <laughs> catching strays <laughs> years later from your career. Um, you know, yeah, he, he's successful ever, you know, the, the presser talking to him and then he sees his dad, his dad also came, um, which is, you know, your nice big moment, which I'm still, cause like the entire time I've never bought into this whole storyline. So I didn't buy in there and it didn't really affect me emotionally, but I always like to see Brian Cox in things. So I was like, Hey, more Brian Cox. Great. He was a much better father here than he is in succession. <laughs> but at the same time, he's kind of an ass the whole time. It have still you, got the ball. Have you seen succession? I mean, he's seen still succession. a much better father here than he is in succession. No argument there. I did think this was a daring choice for Disney to do bore on the floor in the for the clubhouse with it seemed like a very odd choice, but you know, I Disney really they know what they're doing. Um visionary. Oh. No, but why did he give the ball to like his son or like one of the players that like like uh you know convinced him to try out or his wife who was depicted as like this very like even or his was son and very supportive it makes no sense right yeah it makes no yeah and it's like it's... i get we're supposed to have this like father son moment but it's like you we didn't even get until that very scene there wasn't even an inkling that like besides brian cox like getting the grandson a, a first baseman's met there wasn't like an inkling of like he's trying to care but he just can't understand what he's trying to do. Like, it was like, no, he doesn't. He thinks this is stupid. He thinks it's a dumb dream and he doesn't support him. Oh, but you finally made it here. Let me show up. Oh, now I get the game ball and I'm just going to walk away and go home. It would have been so much more effective if it does go to the wife because she's the one sacrificing. And so like, it would make much more sense if that's the emotional crux of the film is over they are together. They have been together through thick and thin and they like his first chance and that long journey and it failing and then recovering and building together and their family and blah. Like that makes, that makes much more sense as the ending storyline and the beat of she supports him and they stuck it out. And like this ball represents all of the sacrifice that they both went through as a family together. And it goes to Brian Cox, who's like, whatever. Who gives Thanks, bye! <laughs> yeah, or or the, uh, the the catcher in high school. Like, it would, it would, like, like you said, it would have been cool if maybe one of these players was a professional, like, prospect or, you know, a Division One prospect, something like that. Like, if we could have fleshed out the relationship, instead of, like, you know, there were, like, two or three of the high school kids that had lines, maybe, like, really focus on that relationship with the catcher because they did have yeah. some chemistry in that scene where he was throwing to him. Like, maybe you flesh it out with them. Maybe you think, like, you know, you, you, you portray this kid as maybe he has a chance at the big leagues one day, and he gives him the ball, and he's like, you can do this too, or, you know, says some, right. maybe something less cheesy. But, like, you can achieve this, and thank you for helping me, you know, get on track to, yeah. to get here. Because, you know, he was that catalyst to, like, get him back into mm-hmm. playing. So, yeah, I mean, it could have gone to anybody but Brian Cox, but, you know, what do you think? It was probably the worst choice. It was the worst emotion. The, um, that was my only my only issue at the end of the movie. Um, but, Brian, quick, like, meta um, uh, baseball movie, meta who's on worst moment um, in For Love of the Game, Brian Cox has given the baseball for Billy Chappell's last game. That's right. And in this film, he was given the ball for Jim Morris's first game. 
he's got a nice little collection going. He does. Well, good for okay. him. He's got more game-used baseballs than anybody in <laughs> more dramatic history, except for like game-used smalls baseballs. in the sandlot. <laughs> I hope. I hope he kept them all. That he can't even keep track when, of. When we get Brian Cox yeah. on our podcast, we'll have to ask him about that. <laughs> and, and one more thing on the Brian Cox baseball thing: like, is do you, from what we know about this character? I mean, there's no way he like knows where the ball is within like two years of this moment. Like it's lost. He didn't look like he owned a lot of stuff. I think. No, you know what? I'll, I'll argue against that because he's a Navy man. Okay. And he would have been like spending most of his life, like very diligently organized. Mm -hmm. They moved so much. Uh, He probably has a very like pared down lifestyle. I bet that thing goes on a mantle and never moves. And I'll give him credit. He had the Little League pictures yep. up on the wall. He absolutely had two pictures of the exact same game, just slightly further away. <laughs> um, <laughs> that mom must have had like a half dozen kicking around and was like, here, you take these. That's what he got in the divorce. <laughs> Built out those relationships so thoroughly uh, that his brother, yeah, there's a brother, is credited as Jimmy's brother in the... Uh, actual imdb credits of this movie is never actually given a name um yeah he's jimmy's brother doesn't come back to watch his brother pitch yeah he's never ever mentioned ever again it would have been much funnier if brian cox at the end is like well it came to your game but you know your brother's been with the yankees for the past 10 years (laughs) it's not all that special. seven time (laughs) all-star world series mvp Jimmy's brother is much better than you are. I'll try to see if I can find the room on the mantle with your single game ball yeah, for his silver against the Texas or... Rangers in September. I mean, his. I guess that's pretty okay for some people's <laughs> kids. Um, what did you guys think of the baseball in this movie? Like the actual film? I thought that the championship, or not the championship, the 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 um the national the the state title to get to the nationals, the division was, title. The division title was so like edited. So this is like a very compared to uh, Bad News Bears that we saw last week. It's so choppy. Like I could not tell where I was in the game. And then it ended. And I was like, oh, that was the ending play. I thought like overall people could like Dennis Quaid looked good. Like he he threw, throws well lefty. And, and I thought the baseball that we saw was solid. But that game was like chopped up so quickly with the editing that I could not tell where I was in the game or what was happening. That, and I think for, I mean, I, I know nothing about high school athletics in the U S so bear this with the biggest grain of salt possible, but like I would have thought a division championship would have had a slightly more elevated like feel to it than just it was exactly like any other game of that season mm-hmm. it was at their little dirt field there was a same size crowd as there usually is i would have thought at least you would have had fans from both teams really filling that up because it's who wins that goes to state mm-hmm. and like i know enough about high school athletics in the u.s to know that state is a big deal i mean every state does it a little differently but yeah it should be like a bigger deal sometimes it would be held on a neutral yeah, like site a- Nicer, and a nicer field, field. A field that has like more grass. And I, I think in Texas, there's no shortage of like athletic fields that could have fit the bill for that. Yeah, I don't know what the case was in the 90s, but I know like to, you know t- Texas baseball is you know it's different, not as not as big as like Texas high school football, 
But there's plenty of funding in most Texas cities for high school baseball as well. There's a lot of talent that comes out of that state. So I don't know, maybe this one high school back in the late 90s was a little different. But uh, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, most times you'll have fields with grass. That would have been my my assumption too. Because I think a lot of times in those schools, especially your football stars are also your baseball stars, like your multi-sport playing guys. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, I thought the baseball by and large was filmed fine. Like I think aside from that game, which was a hot mess, you're Mm -hmm. absolutely right. Um, I think, I mean, obviously Dennis Quaid wasn't throwing anything, um, but like he's not getting 98. He was not (laughs) Brendan Fraser filmed in this. Like he looked natural. He looked like he was actually setting up. He had all the ticks and idiosyncrasies that we know of from players. Like, I don't think he could have horse kicked the dirt anymore if he tried throughout the course of this movie. Um, he dug himself a whole ditch in the process. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I Nothing stuck out to me. The weirdest thing, I think, was at the end after he successfully completed his first game and the reporter asks him, what pitches were those? And I'm like, my dude. If you can't recognize three straight fastballs, you should not be a baseball reporter. Like, if that's your lead yeah, question, what pitches were yeah. you throwing to get him out? I'm like, uh, my dude's here. He throws 98. What do you think? What do you think he's out there doing? He's not throwing a. That's the only reason he's at the ballpark slur. that day. Like, he's yeah. out there to throw 98 and nothing else. What did you throw? Uh, fastball. His news director should have a stern talking to, like, listen, man, you get these post game scrums, you better start off with a good one. Like, I write They're for not a, coming back to you. you. I write for a and he lost his interest and very quickly. If that quickly. was my lead off question to a player, I would never be given a press pass again. Like, yeah. Jimmy, like, lost interest quickly, went straight to his dad. He's like, ah, oh, yeah, see you guys. Can't do All the rest of the reporters afterwards already were already, him. like, just turned to him, like, Wrong it you. would have been much funnier to you if he said fast ones and then just like walked away. Like I thought that, was- or just like giving him a stare. Like, yeah, it's like come on, man, come on, come on. You, you were watching the same game. Come on. I did enjoy that uh, the cinematic Tampa Bay Devil Rays threw the ball around, uh, made some errors. That's very accurate to. But those that was real game footage. It was, yeah, and that was that was kind of cool. Like it, I liked the. I, you know, anytime, and this is, I think, done the same way, like you, you film at a real stadium with the crowd and you do it in between innings, always effective. Great, great use because you can get real footage, you can get real crowds, you can get that energy and works well. I was thinking, I'm like, okay, because, you know, you need Morris to come in in like a somewhat mop-up role because that's what happened in real life. You, you, know, that you can't dramatize it so much where he comes in for the big save, right? Mm-hmm. Like he just comes in and pitches, you know, he gets the out. Um, so it's like, oh, you had to make sure that you found a game that the Devil Rays were like losing and you get some footage of that. I'm like, oh, wait, that wasn't that hard. <laughs> it was like... Couldn't, couldn't pick them all. You had Tanyan Sturts was the starting pitcher that day who was a, apparently, according to Adam Sanford, or like resident historian... Uh, was nicknamed instead of his name is Tanyan Sturt. He was nicknamed Ten Run Sturts because oh. he would give up ten runs, oh. and he did in that game in which they filmed. Went five innings pitched, ten hits allowed, seven earned runs. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. Ouch. I don't know, guys. Do we want to pick who we would pick? Yeah, I, I, I will I say this. Many... 
Go ahead. I will say this. I'm not going to pick mine first, but I just will say this. We should just like put it out there. Uh, Jim Morris's career numbers total, 15 innings pitched. He has a 7.8 K per nine with a 5.4 walks per nine. Uh, an ERA of 4.80 and a FIP of 5.13 for his career. So here's the thing. Not atrocious, not atrocious at all, like solidly below average, but like, again, for, for the idea, like that's, that's pretty darn good. Like that's coming back being so out of shape in terms of like baseball shape and like years and years of, of not playing baseball to come back and to, to be, that's better than 99.9% of people could do. So very impressive, but, uh, I don't think anybody's picking Jimmy Morris for the team. I'm guessing, but I mean, do we have ground rules for this one? No, we never, we never do. We, we play it fast and loose. <laughs> this fast and loose the entire time. Um, I will I, say I picked Buster Posey because he was the actor shown. He was the real player was playing an actor in uh, Mr. 3000 and that flew. So I feel like I have broken all the rules of this. If there were but, any. My final thoughts before we jump into players is that this is, if we must find a way to applaud it, a much happier turn for a high school chemistry teacher looking for a new <laughs> field of work against the better judgment of his wife uh, and their young children than perhaps Breaking Bad. Uh, that was my first thought when that scene of him in the chemistry classroom came out. I was like, oh, I've seen a show in which a chemistry teacher is yeah needs to change breaking ball bad right or breaking right? bat breaking, breaking ball. bat oh, is... <laughs> yes uh. <laughs> I like that anyway I like both of those <laughs> um I'm gonna go lazy because honestly I uh I'm gonna go with Wade Box because we saw his jersey and that is it that is my selection um that's how I'm cheating my way into a, I could have gone Conseco but I have uh dignity and I'm not going like chicken it. man instead chicken man like all right so I was I'm gonna take a I'm gonna take a shot in the dark at a at a actual in the film, not an actual athlete, but somebody who is shown as a interesting rising prospect in the Tampa Bay Double Rays. I don't know much about him. No, he's a position player. Um, would love to have seen more. I'm really going in the blind here. This is definitely like word of mouth international scouting type of thing right now. But uh, I will go with Brooks. Is that his first name? Is that his last name? Don't know. But it's got the call up. Could be Brooks Brooks. Who knows? It could uh, be Brooks Brooks. Let's get him into the camp and and see. All the I was trying, I wanted to try one of the high school kids, but like they all looked pretty mediocre. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'll go with Brooks and uh see the whole is greater than the sum of its parts for that owl's baseball yeah. team. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um Quick tidbit, though, on Brooks. So the real-life player that was called up alongside Jim Morris was Steve Cox, who actually had a few Solid you know, all-right seasons with the Devil Rays. Uh, Steve Cox, in the game in which they filmed this at, homered for the race. So you had Jim Morris in attendance to film, or Dennis Quaid in attendance, to film some of these scenes. And Steve Cox homered in the game where they filmed a movie scene for which he was, uh, you know, prospect buddies or minor league buddies with, with Jim Morris. Um, I, I think I will take Jim Morris because um, I have a feeling 
that Rick Williams, the Devil Rays pitching coach, you know, probably try to have him mix in a curveball. And, you know, what does Kyle Snyder do? He picks the one pitch, maybe two pitches that you throw best, and we're going to throw that, and we're going to throw it for strikes. And so I want to see Kyle Snyder maybe for one more season. If you ask our managing editor, Danny Russell, the Rays could use another high-leverage arm. Uh, you know, maybe Jim Morris with that high-octane fastball can pitch in some high-leverage situations. I'm not done. I am in a double dip here. Oh, because I just mentioned him, and I, I don't know if the current Rays are in any need of a, I don't know, a, a writer or a blogger or a content creator, but I have on good authority that DRaysBay.com managing editor Danny Russell was in the crowd that night <gasps> at the Rangers ballpark in Arlington. No! The game. And so I will take Danny Russell to join the Rays <laughs> communication staff. <laughs> <laughs> was he serious? <laughs> Yes, he was living in Texas at the time. And he, I mean, I guess you can you can ask him. Uh, he was living in Texas at the time and uh, heard they were filming. What? He, he rookie <laughs> and attended the game. When we when we write up all of the players and personnel that we've selected, I am very happy that we're going to have Danny Russell in that in that <laughs> list with with yes. Tammy, the catcher from Airbud, seventh <laughs> inning fetch. And I think she remains our most, our only unanimous pick. But by far, that's our that's our ten win player right there. But yeah, Tammy for life. Wow, that's that is awesome, Brett. I oh, not know that. I mean, you went with Buster Posey, who was yep. like I yep. couldn't even spot in Mister Three Thousand. Didn't try to actually just went with the jersey Danny. of Wade Boggs. So <laughs> I, I like it. Go yeah. <laughs> with the jersey of Wade Boggs. He was present in that game there. in some capacity. I'm taking what I can get here. No, I like it. Yeah. Danny's in one of those shots, I'm sure. They showed like the whole crowd multiple Real times. Real tiny blurry. Amazing. Yeah. They should have given a lot younger. Should have given Danny the ball instead of his dad. That would have made <laughs> yes. far more impact. It would have been it would have been good forever. You will yeah. you will be the managing editor of a Rays fan site <laughs> one day. There's this ball. You can achieve anything. <laughs> yes. Dream big, Danny. Dream big. <laughs> Oh my God. Okay. Well, um, I think that kind of concludes our general opinions of, of the rookie, um, which was a big snooze fest from beginning to end with some happy tears in the mix and some confusing feelings about Brian Cox, who I remind you again, is only nine years older than Dennis Quaid. Um, so think of that while you're staring into the craggy depths of the weathered skin of Dennis Quaid pretending to be 35. Um, and I don't know, I'm not going to say don't watch this movie, but like, I don't know, put it on in the background or something. It's free on uh, Disney Plus. Yeah, it's. I think you you don't need to watch this movie. You just need to watch the third act. Yeah, to like yeah. Get the feeling yeah. of this movie, like because that, that I thought Dennis Quaid. Like my last thought is just like that scene. He acted it so played it so well when he gets the news. Like you know, he you could tell he's like he's the rookie, but he's supposed to be like this grizzled veteran. He like doesn't break down into tears. He doesn't like you know cheer out and you know joy. He just kind of takes a deep breath. He goes, you know, I'm going to the big leagues. Yeah. Calls his son, calls his wife. That that made the whole movie for me. It's a movie I, w- I would rewatch, not often, but, you know, maybe every five years. I, I'll be like, yeah, I think let's watch the rookie. If you're like, you're going to do a puzzle one afternoon and you just want something on in the background, it's a perfect movie for that. Like you're just kind of like curled up on the couch on a rainy day and there's no games on you want to watch. Throw on the rookie. Um, you could do worse. Uh, it, it will not tickle your uh, senses too much 
won't make you think too hard at all. Um, but it also won't induce anxiety in you, which is something I find random things do to me from time to time. So um, that's high, high grades for having absolutely no anxiety factor whatsoever. Congratulations, the rookie. <laughs> I think with that, we'll wind up this episode. Uh, we are already preparing our next one, so we will not yet be taking a fan input on what movie we do next, but we will be ruining another one of your childhood favorites next. Don't you worry. Um, so look forward to that and look forward to the season of Real Baseball. We are. Um, so until next time, thank you so much for listening and have a great day. Goodbye.